0: Welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across Livestream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by Livestream Universe. For everything live streaming, check it out, LivestreamUniverse.com. We also have a website just for the show. It's livestream Stars. TV. You can see upcoming guests and view replays of past shows. And eventually, we're going to move all that stuff to Livestream Universe. So there'll just be really one site where you can get most of everything you need relating to uh, Livestream Universe. And we also are doing, continue to do daily updates. So if you haven't had a chance, check that out on our, uh, they're always posted first on the Facebook page, facebook.com. Slash live stream universe and we'll be back on thursday night for live stream news with monique hoffman uh, host of Q the news 7 p.m right here on fire talk and then monday for live stream stars with rachel moore of really.social and the let's live stream twitter chat and now to tonight's guest jim collison welcome Jim runs TheAverageGuy.tv, hosting podcasts and producing shows about tech. His shows include Home Gadget Geeks, Cyber Frontiers, Home Tech Tips, Reviews, and How-Tos. Jim also hosts Ask the Podcast Coach with Dave Jackson Saturday mornings on Blab and works for Gallup. He partners with the talent resources team to recruit and retain world-class system and database administrators and software developers who support Gallup's clients and the company's internal systems. But what we're really also interested in is that Jim's doing some podcasting over at Gallup as well. And uh, you can find those podcasts at coaching.gallup.com. And why don't we start there, Jim? Great first of all great to have you on I've enjoyed ask the podcast coach on Saturdays whether I'm actually watching it live or I'm listening to the previous week as I'm driving somewhere um so it's great to talk to you I'm so glad Ross, you, great you to could be on. come Thanks on Thanks for having me Man when you put it
1: that way holy cow I need a vacation after all yeah. Man I would I do way <laughs> too much yeah we do some webcasting uh, we call it it's podcasting you may hear me refer to it on the Gallup site as webcasting and I can tell you the story of why we did that but Thanks for having me on. Great to join your audience. I'm hoping to learn a little bit about what you do here as well. I always, every opportunity is a learning opportunity is what I say. So thanks for having me on. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So um, tell me what you're doing with Gallup as far as the podcast. Yeah, it goes back about
1: seven years when I started podcasting with a buddy of mine over at homeservershow.com. He got me started. And so that started my own network about six years ago doing that. And then, uh, at Gallup, we have this product called the Strengths Finder. It's an assessment you can take. It's a web assessment you take. You can discover five, your top five things about what you're best at. It's a, We have a whole coaching community around it. And three years ago, almost three years ago to the month now, we uh, started thinking about uh, rolling this out into training for coaches. And they wanted to create this, clo- this uh, global coaching network. And I raised my hand and said, Hey, I have a great way to do professional development and training globally and to do it for almost no money. They looked at me funny. Seriously, we can do it for almost free. It'll just be the time of folks, you know, putting time in to get this done. And uh, they said yes. And so back, I think it was May of 2013, we started our very first program called Called to Coach. It was really a coaching program to kind of reach our strengths coaches, kind of what we call them Clifton Strengths coaches around the world. And so we started with one show. We did it every three weeks. Uh, we did them on YouTube, live on YouTube at the time, and then I just ripped that audio out and make a podcast out of it. When we kind of test marketed this idea of the word podcast, uh, nobody knew what it was. Three years ago, like, we'd say webcast, and they'd be like, like a webinar. And we said, Yes, like a webinar. And we went with it, because that was like what they could, that group could really closely associate to that, to that idea. So the word webcast stuck. And I have a militant about it, but it's worked for us. If you asked our listeners, they would say, yeah, we like the term webcast, and so it's worked. So that has grown into uh, really three and four, man, almost four programs now that we do called The Coach Theme Thursday, where we take one of those individual themes in the strengths finder assessment. We go 45 minutes uh, deep dive into it, which is a ton of fun. We're in Season 2 of that program now which has been good. I get great feedback on that program. We're doing a new one, Educational Insights, that we're kind of doing around some of the work we're doing in higher education, which is fun. We're only two into that. So that's a brand new uh, podcast. And then since last November, we've been recording Frank Newport. He's our editor-in-chief of Gallup.com. And this is, uh, this is a straight, like, I record him. It's just him. 12 minutes, all the best information about Gallup. So we do a variety. Sometimes we ask for input. Sometimes we have a chat room. And in the, in the case of Polling Matters, Frank's podcast, um, it's just, we just blast it out. No live audience. We don't record it live. So we're just doing, yeah, we're <laughs> right. doing a whole, we're trying to take advantage of all the media, all the ways we think people will consume it. Uh, we just crossed over, oh, a couple months ago, we crossed over 10,000 monthly downloads. Uh, for the whole, uh, for all the shows in the channel, which we're super excited about. Our next goal is 50. Um, So we've got some uh, work to do. Our blog that's associated with it, which is a Blogger blog, probably the worst way to do a blog ever, but we started it on (laughs) Blogger four years ago, and we just left it there. It's coming up on the million view mark. And so we've been really happy with the results that we get all around our products, all to keep our customers and our coaches connected to us.
0: Now, how much video are you using in terms of the different shows? So some of the shows you're recording on Google Hangouts or? Yeah, so everything gets recorded on
1: Google Plus to begin with. That goes to YouTube. Uh, Polling matters. We don't use the video. That's the only one we don't use the video, and that's audio only. The rest of them have a video component to it. And we've actually found that really, really useful to create, communicate, you know, to create this connection this last week we did uh, the Clifton Strength Summit here in Omaha. About 750 coaches from all around the world, literally all around the world, we have them from everywhere come in. And I was, I kind of had, um, I just hung out in the crowd. And Ross, I got a little mobbed by the crowd. They recognized me from the videos, right? Which is what we want, right? Oh, we wow. want that audience engagement. We want that 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 brand recognition. And they kind of saw me as the face of what we do from a webcasting standpoint. And so it was, it one, it was really rewarding to get all those, Hey, thanks for when, when, when your listeners get a chance to meet you, and they say, Thank you for spending every Thursday with me, fill in the blank, right? In the car, whatever. That's incredibly rewarding. But we, we realized we got enormous amounts of engagement in what they're doing. The fact that they could find me and then recognize me and then know that's what's going on there, was just a really, a real testament to the brand connection they had made, right? And yeah, I'm the face of it. But ultimately they're connecting to our brand so it's really really important
0: wow this is a uh, quite quite an ambitious schedule you have there considering that this is not yeah. your you, you also have the rest of your job to it's, do right it's not like no. you know they give you a studio and say no. spend all day yeah producing it's a part-time shows, deal right? for me
1: I, I spend most of my time recruiting and managing our internship program so we have a college and a high school local the, so we have some uh We'll start okay. with 40 some high school or high school kids who come onto our campus and, and work with us. Then we have uh, I have 25 college kids that we recruit for every single year. So I spend a good majority of my time doing that. The webcasting at work only happens because I have a team. So this is the great part about webcasting in the enterprise is I have two blog writers. I have a video editor who does my audio um, as well. I have an admin that helps with sending microphones out and making sure guests have microphones and that they're scheduled and that they're going to show up on time. Um, And then I've got a a kind of a leadership team around me that helps pick guests and some of those kinds of things. So it is, at work, it's definitely a team effort. All the tech stuff that I do, it's me and me alone, right? I write the blog post, I schedule the guests. Now, The production quality is a little bit lower, to be honest with you, just because I don't have time. I mean, I spend, I get home Friday night, I start producing my Thursday night podcast. Usually I have it done first thing Saturday morning. I meet with Dave Jackson at 930 Central for Ask the Podcast Coach. We do that till 11. I get done. I post the rest of the show. And I try and have that done by 1 or 2 o'clock Central Time. So a good chunk of my weekend is taken up. The other podcasts that you mentioned, like Home Tech Tips, every once in a while, Cyber Frontiers, about every three weeks. Um, on that one. So some of the other programs that I do are uh, Home Gadget Geeks is really the only other weekly podcast besides, that sounds crazy to say besides, besides Ask the Podcast right. Coach, that I do on a regular basis. And then all the work podcasts. And I do do those during the work day. Right. There is a, there's a caveat. There's uh, two. One I do in either in Singapore or in Sydney, and I go in at 9 o'clock Central Time, PM, to do those. And then we do India, and that's midnight. So I go in at 11, start the show, get things going. I do the show from midnight to 1, and then I try and come home and grab a little sleep before I got to be back in. That's one time a month. So it's, it's super, 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 super manageable. But to be able to talk to people, to be able to talk to our coaches in India is huge. Like, from a brand recognition standpoint, we are very new to India. So to be able to have those videos, to reach those people in India or in Singapore or Sydney, wherever. It's a big deal.
0: That's awesome. Now for your tech show, you're using Google plus hangouts as well.
1: We're pretty much Google plus all across the board. I'm super familiar with it and it works really
0: well. And do you have a a live audience or are you just using that to record the interview and then?
1: Yeah, no, we do the same thing at work that I do with my tech show. So Chatwing okay. is our chat provider. The, the layouts are exactly the same, you know, video on top, a chat on the bottom. We'll get here in the U.S. for the live shows for Gallup, I get 35 or 40, maybe 50 sometimes. We've had as much as 150 show up, depending on the guest, which is crazy, Ross, to think about 150 people live. <laughs> that is, I mean, when I was starting the tech right. show six years ago, five people live. It was pretty incredible, right? I think we've, we've got a, a bunch out there today, 15. This is about what I get for my tech shows when I do them at this. I do them in the same time slot, right? 15 to 30 right, seems right. to be a really good live number for most people. Um, but at Gallup, during the day, we get, like I said, many are 30 to 60 maybe in their live U.S., uh, different overseas that we're still struggling a little bit. They aren't catching the like they do here in the U.S., as far as like, oh, we can catch them live. The culture just isn't right. there yet, so I'm okay. Those get hundreds of views after the fact, and that's the beauty of this, right? Is it's time shifted? It can be done in time.
0: Right, right. Now for the chat, um, that's independent of of Google, so you could use that chat no matter yeah, what right. platform.
1: Chatwing is who we use for that. It's great; they're free service. Uh, works just fine for us. It, 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 although the chat here in, in, in a fire talk is actually pretty good watching it here. This would be a good replacement um, for it. But Chatwing works well. It allows you to log in with like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and just about any social thing you can think of, which is handy because we have strengths coaches aren't the most right. technical. So it gives them an easy way to log in without creating a new account. We get lots of
0: interaction on it. Too. And is that it? A- is that an expensive free. product, or is that no, something that was free, oh, free, free for anybody. That
1: works great. You don't really need to. If you want to take off their branding, or if you want to add some, you know, there's some other things like you're going to run it on a site that's secure, HTTPS, as opposed to just HTTP. Most people are moving to secure sites. You're going to pay. You're going to pay for that service. I got around it by creating a separate WordPress instance that's branded exactly like my average AverageGuy.tv uh, page. My Blogger page isn't secure either. So it works just fine there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, you know, we use Blogger and everybody, everybody's like, "Mine is "Eh, Blogger. I'm like, you know what? We got a million views on that thing. So it's obviously working and that's completely free too. Ross, we have done very, this is an enterprise and we could pay, but my challenge has been, I challenged the team when I started, we're going to do this. I can show you how I can do this for almost no money. And so I have taken the approach to we only pay for things when we absolutely have to? And so far, I pay for very few things. You really can do this, even in the enterprise, really inexpensive.
0: If the free tools total. work, why yeah, not total. use them, right? I,
1: <laughs> I exploit them every chance I get.
0: But I think the chat thing is interesting to a lot of, a lot of people here because with these platforms, kind of, you don't know which one's going to be around, which one's not. A lot of people are looking at using encoders like Wirecast or OBS to you know really kind of produce the show themselves and you you need that chat right you that's what separates a live show from from just recording a podcast or a, a, a webcast and putting it up on YouTube. And, and so if there are, there are good free options out there for people to use chat wing is what you said you use. Um, that's, that's great information. Yeah, no, I people. depend on it. Like, I don't know,
1: Russ, I don't know how to do a show without a live audience. Like I'm terrible at it. Whenever right. we're doing just recording, I recorded a, we had a, the, one of the senior engineers from in focus who makes the kangaroo PC he, we had him on the other, the other night, and it was just a pre, we did it like an hour before the live show. No live audience. I'm just not as crisp or as sharp as when I've got a live audience out there, and I know they're listening right now. And so I really prefer a live right. audience, and then I really love the feedback. So if you're listening right now, we got a bunch out there, and you have questions for us. I thrive on questions from the chat room. So just drop your question there. We'd love to answer it.
0: Definitely, and you know, I want to ask you. Um, for a lot of people who are 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 doing video, and actually haven't really gotten into podcasting, podcasting seems a little confusing, right? There's an RSS feed, and there's um, where do I host it, and then where do I distribute it to, and how do I edit it, and 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 all of a sudden it sounds kind of difficult. When a platform like this, you basically click a button, and you're you're doing a show, and you get a video afterwards. So. Could you kind of break down for because I think a lot of people who are watching here probably are debating, like, should I take the audio and make a podcast out of my show? Should I not do it? Can you kind of break down, like, what are the simple steps or the complicated steps, but the essentials that people need to kind of go through in order yeah. to make that happen. If yeah, it's something it is complicated, I think. And the, anytime you're, you're taking a complicated
1: process, it's really important to just take it one step at a time. Like do the next thing. Matt, Matt Damon at the end of the Martian says, just solve one problem at a time type thing. Don't try and <laughs> eat the entire elephant. So, really, when you think about podcasting, if you're creating the content and you have the video, you already have the audio. And there's no sense in doing anything but just ripping that right out of the video. So Audacity has an FF FFmpeg encoder that you can use inside Audacity. Again, Audacity is free. You don't have to buy Edition or have any expensive software to get it done. You can start with that. When you just dump the video in, and it will show you the audio, and you can save it out as an MP3. So that's my right, for, for as far as creating the content and getting the MP3, it's no simpler than that. And there's lots of instructions on how to get that done. The second thing you need to think about is a host provider, right? So you really, there's two different things. There's a website provider. That's the, the person who, when you go to your website, yourdomain.com, that's where that's showing. And then it, be really smart to right. get somebody to kind of host those files. And there's a whole variety of, of, of companies that do that. The three that I recommend, Lipson, Blueberry, Spreaker. Those are the three. I use Spreaker per, at work. That's, we use Spreaker um, for that. They'll all do the mm-hmm. same thing at about the same price. So just choose the one. you. you're And all they're okay. doing, right, so serving up your files, especially, these are the MP3 files you're making. You got to find a way to get them to people. People are going to download them. That bandwidth's not free. And a lot of media providers, like if you have a website at GoDaddy or some of those, they're not going to offer to host your files for you. They're going to shut you down if you start, if they, all of a sudden, the bandwidth picks up. If you get popular, that that happens every time. So one of those three to host your media files. And basically, you put your media file there. And there's a couple different ways to create an RSS feed. Lipson and Blueberry can do that for you. You can do it in the PowerPress plugin with WordPress if you're going to go that way. By the way, One fourth of the web runs on WordPress right now, which is just an incredible stat. So if you think about WordPress and how, how much it's being used, WordPress, I think, is the easiest way to get a podcast started. There's a PowerPress plugin for it that will automatically generate your RSS feed, and then you can do anything. So think of that RSS feed like an address, really. It's just a website, it's a location, for someone to go and get updates to what you're doing on a regular basis, right, you don't want to have them to keep coming back. And is it out there? Is it there yet? Is it there yet? Is it there yet? Right.
0: And, and that's right. Right. And that is different from the RSS that your blog it, it, creates. Well, yes. You post if if post you have a,
1: blog. A, blog, a separate blog RSS for the things for the you think you've got these posts that are coming out and that's an RSS feed.
0: Right. Like I do my blog posts for each of the sh- yeah. video shows that I do. Right. And then I embed the video from YouTube or I was actually using the um, blab version of the podcast press. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of what it's simple, simple podcast press or simple. Podcast- Sim- yeah. But it's called simple okay. live yep. press. I think yep. it was by the same, same. guy, Hanny, the same guy who made, who made that. Um, but obviously I'm not using blab, but so, so there's an RSS feed for yep. all my blogs, whether they're news yep. blogs or whether they're they're blogs about shows, right? It's going to be a different RSS it feed. Be. Just It, cl- it doesn't or does have, it have to be. To be? Is it No. If it well, is, if you were going to have a
1: blog and a podcast and every blog was going to have a podcast in it, right, then you'd want a container that has all of that, all one thing. If you're blogging and podcasting and not every blog has a podcast in it, in other words, Sometimes you're going to do a post that doesn't have an mp3 in it. Right. Then you want to separate those out. And so think of it like containers. I'm going to, I'm giving containers, I got Tupperware containers, and I'm giving them to you. In right. that container is going to be all my blog posts. So Ross, here you go. This is an RSS feed Tupperware container with all my blog posts in it. Oh, but I want audio. Okay. That's not going to, every time, This it's it's not a complete subset of everything that's in this container. Let me create a separate container for you. And every time I do a blog post that has an mp3 in it for the podcast, I'm going to drop it into this container. And then I'm going to say, Hey, here it is. Okay. Because it's kind of annoying in your podcast player when I just get a post from you and there's no mp3 in it. Like, (laughs) like, what? (laughs) most podcast (laughs) listeners expect a feed to only have mp3s in it. So, you can, the beautiful thing about WordPress and, and PowerPress, this, this plugin that you can use, is you can designate both uh, categories. So you like, if you have a podcast category, that's your podcast name, you can designate that RSS feed. And every time you're going to post a podcast, you put that category in there. And that tells the software, Hey, I've got an mp3 in here, make sure it gets delivered to my customer. Or they have a thing called Channels. Same exact idea. Every time I post it, it says, and that's all you really want is a smart, it's like a smart mailman. Every time you post it, he knows exactly where to deliver it. Am I going to deliver it here with all the blog posts or am I going to deliver it here in just the RSS feed? Once it's, it is complicated. I'm not going to lie. You need, this is why there's all these (laughs) podcast coaches out there because it, it's a little complex to set up. But if you take it one step at a time, set up a blog, get that going, right? Practice your podcast, get those going then set up a podcast RSS feed and get people listening to it that way. If you take it just one step at a time, it's not so hard when you just kind of take it one step at a time, you know, right. don't try and do all the social and all their social sharing and some of those things. Reserve that for a little bit later after you've been doing this for a while.
0: And if you'd want to do a blog about your podcast, right. And embed the, the player in the blog and, you know, do your notes and all that kind of stuff links, um, that will be a part of your blog Correct. RSS, right? You'll still have the separate RSS that just sends yep. the audio. Yeah, whatever
1: you put on that page won't, it'll just make it to whoever you're sending that feed to. If you think of like a stream of a river, they're going to get that water. And then the other RSS feed, and, and in some cases, you know, I have, um I'm using channel podcasting over at, with the, with the PowerPress player. I actually have a video small and a video large feed that have their own RSS feed. So my customer or my listener said, Hey, we'd love to have video. And I said, You guys are crazy, but okay, here's some video. So every week I crunch down that video, I compress it like it's big when you put it on YouTube, right? So I compress it down into something manageable and we call it video large. And then I compress it even smaller and we call it video small. And those are on two channel RSS feeds for, for customers who just want to register for that.
0: So, there's right, a lot right. of
1: there's a lot of capabilities there. It's pretty technical, but again, if you take it one step at a time, you can do it.
0: So you're using the PowerPress uh,
1: plug yeah PowerPress like plugin, plugin
0: or oh you know I was thinking of oh, simple yeah. no, simple is, that's Blueberry what Blueberry provides PowerPress, PowerPress
1: plugin right Blueberry it's free for anyone that wants to use it. You don't have to use Blueberry's hosting, but yeah the the Blueberry oh, okay. PowerPress plugin. Is Dynamo.
0: And if you use that plugin, that gives you your it RSS does. feed, so
1: you don't even really have no, to understand you just, it. No, right, <laughs> you just choose, you, you kind of choose how people are going to get that feed, whether you're going to, it's going to be, right. every time you're going to designate a podcast, are you going to designate a category? Or are you going to designate it by a channel? And then once you make that determination, right. that creates the pod, the RSS feed for you. You just copy and paste that code and put it into iTunes or, or, or put it into whatever right, to make right. it work.
0: And that's is that something you do one time, and then all set. your podcasts will automatically. Yeah, once go it's there? set
1: up, it's kind of set it and forget it. And that's the beauty of it is you okay. kind of got, got to work through it the first time, but man, once all that stuff is in, it just does it automatically every time you post.
0: So I guess the other step to consider is where you're going to distribute it, right? iTunes. You're gonna put it to SoundCloud. Where, like, what do you recommend as the this is you get off the ground yeah, places that you want to For most people, to. just
1: two places to really worry about. One is iTunes for sure. They are the big player in the space, mm-hmm. and all you're doing is giving them that RSS feed. They're saying, "Okay, we got it." And anytime anybody requests this from an iPhone, we're gonna direct them to your RSS feed. They're not you're not downloading it there. They're not keeping your files. Nothing's there except a record of your RSS feed and maybe uh, some of the descriptions of the podcasts that you do. But iTunes, for sure. Second, and we haven't gotten a lot of traction on this yet, but I, I think in the future, this will make a difference, the Google Play Store. So you can submit your podcast RSS feed to Google Play with your Google account. It'll set it up. It'll be available in their properties. Between those two properties now, it covers, I'm going to say, 85% of all the other podcast players and all the other podcast sites. There's other things you can do. There's other places you can register it. And so if you want an example of that, I think if you go to TheAverageGuy.tv, there's a, I I have a tab. Let's see if I sometimes even have to look at that myself. I have a tab called Other Networks. And that's a list of everything where I put my podcast. So TheAverageGuy.tv, look for the tab. And I think it's just other networks slash other networks. I always forget, but it doesn't matter. Click on that tab and you'll see this whole list of where I put it, right? So it's a list of my RSF feed. i you know, I do YouTube, Spreaker, Audio Boom, Podomatic, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Shout Engine, MixCloud, Audio Mac, Archive.org, podcast.com. But don't do that. Like grow into right. that. Those are but those are all the various places, you know, and then it includes like streaming services like Stitcher and TuneIn. Uh, Mixler and Spreaker, or some other places that I have it. So there's kind of a list of the ones I've curated that I think work well enough that I get a few hits. Or Potomatic, which is interesting. I, I originally started with Potomatic as my host. Quickly realized mm, this is not going to scale very well. I should probably self-host um, from that standpoint. And I still get a hundred listens on Potomatic. Why would I abandon those listeners out there? They found me there. Um, It has an RSS feed of sort that people are listening to. So every week, I upload to Podomatic as well, and I get 100 listens. Yeah, Alberto
0: Gomez says, what about Stitcher? It's a great directory. Yeah, nope, too. I mentioned
1: Stitcher in there. I, I think yeah. Stitcher numbers are dropping at the moment. And so, okay. again, it's a super thing. It's a super easy thing. You go over to Stitcher, you submit your information, you're done, right? You go in the Stitcher catalog. Mm-hmm in you're there. I, I know some who are listening, I don't get gigantic Stitcher numbers. You want to be there. The key would be, for a brand new podcaster, we say this all the time on Ask the Podcast Coach, the key is add maybe one of these a week. So, you know, right. get in there, figure it out, add it to Stitcher, add it, you know, maybe you could upload it to Spreaker. There's all kinds of ways you can game the system. The trick is to get those other two first, though. Get YouTube, uh, uh, you, uh, iTunes, there we go, sorry. Get iTunes, get Google Play. And you might consider uploading your, uploading it to YouTube. I think you have to be on YouTube. I guess I'm assuming you're already there if you've got the video. But right. You got to be on YouTube. I mean, that's the number two search engine and on the whole, in the whole universe, is YouTube. So make sure you're taking advantage if you have video content, or even audio with some slides. Not a bad way to do it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so I guess, I'm trying to think the other steps. I'm assuming most people here understand basics of like hosting a show and things like that. So I'm, I'm sticking yeah. to the things that are specific to like podcast challenges. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you get, you want to get started. Um, Do you start with show number one or do you have a bunch that you batch together or what is the best way when you're first coming yeah. out is, I mean, I have like, probably 35 shows in, in the bank that I right. could, you know, I don't think I'm going to start with 35 at once, yeah. but I might not want to just start with one. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> it, it just
1: depends, uh, Ross, to be honest, what you're trying to do and, and the guru you're listening to at the moment. Here's what I like. If you're thinking about starting this podcast thing and you haven't done it before one, sit down and create three to five podcasts, and then never do anything with them, because they're going to be terrible. In most cases, your early <laughs> ones are awful. You think they're good, and they're your baby, right? You birth them, and you put so much time and effort into it, and you're like, these are great. They're not. They're never great. You, a year from now, you'll go back and listen to them and go, Oh, my God, how did I ever let this out into public? This is awful. Okay, so create three to five, go through the whole process, editing, work on them, maybe share them with some friends this is a good use of SoundCloud, right? Even their SoundCloud free account, just upload them to SoundCloud. You get, I think, three hours for free. Share them with friends. You can actually get feedback in in various areas right on SoundCloud. SoundCloud's great for this. I I wouldn't use them as host provider, but they're great at this. Then, um, once you've gone through that process of working through it, you may realize podcasting was a bad idea. So I just, if you can't create three (laughs) to five, guess what? You're not going to create more than that when, when you get going. By the time you're done with three or five, you should have a list of 10 titles or 10 more topics that you're going to do. And yes, I said 10. It's really important. You got a lot of great ideas going forward. And that's either 10 topics or 10 people you're going to interview or 10 things. You have to be able to articulate them if you're going to go forward. Because this podcasting stuff is not easy, right? You get seven or eight into it and you're like, Oh, man, this is a ton of work. Yeah, it is. it's a ton <laughs> of work. And to keep track of all these things and to take negative feedback from people, I mean, you take a beating in the first, in the when you're first starting doing this, then you'll wonder if anybody's even listening, right? You're doing all this work. And you're like, so 10, have 10 shows ready to go. Get five practiced and t- toss them. Never let anybody listen to those. And then start. Now, so there's some gurus who say, uh, get a bunch in the can and release them all at once so you can get that new and noteworthy bump. If that's what you want to do, hey, do it. It works for some. doesn't work for others. It's great. If you want to start with just zero and then go one, you know, have a pilot show where you kind of explain what you're doing, and then every week or every other week, I do know this. Like, whatever you're going to do, just be consistent with it from an audience standpoint. Audiences love consistency. They'll start listening to you. And and I think, really, you know, there's a magic number of 7. If you can get back past 7, you're in good shape. A lot of podcasters quit before that. 30 is the next level. If you get up to 30, you're doing actually really, really well. I think once you get to 30, then the magic starts happening. Like you are really, because you've gotten 30 hours of practice, if your show's an hour, whatever it is, fill in the blank, you've gotten all these hours of practice. And then I think it starts getting really, really good. So if you're going to do this for the long haul, if you're thinking about that, the other lesson I've kind of learned, and this has been one that's kind of new, is I've started breaking up some of my podcasts into seasons so that I have a I have a defined start and end. That way, you don't have this pressure like, Hey, I'm starting and this is going to last forever. I mean, that's, for some people, that's a little daunting. Just say, Hey, your first 10 podcasts, these are going to be, this is what we're going to do. And then I'll reevaluate. If we're going to keep going, cool. If we're not going to change the topic, you've got a good, a a good way. But if you start with 10 in mind, and you're like, We're going to do this 10-part series, it's giving you a way out where it's not awkward when you leave.
0: It's very interesting what you said about the numbers seven and 30, because in doing these shows, which are somewhat similar to what we you would do in a podcast in a lot of ways, right? I was seven shows into it, into doing this show when I went on vacation for a week and I took a week off or two weeks off. And I remember thinking, do I want to keep doing this? Because it's like, Wow it's kind of nice having yes. some free time yeah. right on it's, it. a, it's a labor of love ross i mean you, and then yeah and then i got back like and and i was around 30 and i sort of asked myself the same question and i'm like no i kind of kind of like now what i got going on i don't think i want to stop well the beauty <laughs>
1: is by 30 you're you're finally getting some customer engagement back you're starting you're, you're starting to right. hear from your listener right you're starting to they're, they're tweeting you. They're asking you questions. The Facebook group might be going. However you decide to do that, Reddit might be taken off. So right. then it starts getting good. And that's like, but you got to put the time in. You can't, um, you can't cheat it. You just got to put the time in and get 30. By the way, I mean, 30 is what, 7.5 months if you're doing it weekly. So you've got, hmm. um, or yeah, 6.5 or something, something like that. You've, it's time. And it's every week. And it like, like clockwork. Right. you got to do it. you got to record it. Sometimes you record it, and you're like, that's awful, but I don't have time to re-record it. And so I'm just going to put it out there, and you feel bad. So it's, it's a process. And it, and it takes a little bit. I, I you know, I, I always tell people, you know, hey, set yourself up for success by making it as easy as possible the first time around. And make sure you want to do it. And so don't commit to doing it forever. Uh, that's why I like this 10-show season. Right. This is, frankly, why the networks do this with television, right? They're not exactly sure if it's going to be a hit or not. So before they commit, right, they right. do 23 or 12 and like, Hey, we'll pay for 12. And then we're going to reevaluate. Take that same approach. It's worked in TV. You can do it too.
0: when you get overworked, you can always sort of mentally trick myself. Well, I'm going to go to the end of the season and then I'll give myself a break. And if I don't want to continue, then of course, I, I, I always like when I get to that point where I know I'm going to have some time off or whatever, it's sort of like the, the first night is like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll do something else. And then the next day I'm like learning how to do, do something new and I'm starting to work on it again. So, you know, guys, we're talking with Jim Collison from the average guy.tv ask the podcast coach. Um, I could ask Jim questions, uh, for about five more hours on this stuff, but would love to get your questions in. So feel free to call in or or throw your questions into the chat. Alberto Gomez asks, um, what are your thoughts about micro podcasting or platforms like anchor?
1: uh, Periscope, Facebook live anchor, all those. Hey, it's, I think it's a great way of engagement if your audience is there. So if it's, if you can reach people there and it's working, man, go for it. Is it a podcast? Who cares? Like, who cares if we call it right. a podcast or not? If you are reaching, this is all about audience engagement, not about the freaking term we call it. Right. I, I get really right. burned out on people defining for me what a podcast is and what a podcast isn't. I don't really care. At work, we call them webcast because we asked the audience and they said, we don't know what a podcast is. And so I always say, whatever is helping you reach people, whatever is helping you, if, if you're starting a podcast, it might be a smart idea to have some idea why. Okay. What do I hope to get out of this? Is it fun? Is it a hobby? Do I want to make money? Do I want to reach people? Do I want to evangelize something? All those things work. And then whatever you're doing, if it's working, just keep doing more of it. I mean, that it, it doesn't take too much more, uh, too much more thought than that. Just keep going with it. So, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Facebook Live. I kind of think that's a, that's going to come and go. I think there'll be a version of it that will eventually work. But I know people who are having tremendous success with Facebook Live. And so, hey, if it's working for you, don't let anybody tell you, like, what can and can't work. If you ask me for my opinion, I'm going to give it to you. Like, I just gave you my opinion. I'm not a big fan of Facebook Live. However, if it works, keep going with it. So, yeah, I think if you can fit it in and it fits your demographic or your audience, I'm not a big Snapchat fan, but I know lots of people on Snapchat. If it's working for you, go with it.
0: Right. Um, What do you consider? And I know this is a question and you you really almost just answered it in the sense that, you know, it's all over the map and it's what works. But it's one of those questions that, that I've heard discussed a lot. What's the ideal length oh, for a, a podcast? Is it 18 question. minutes? Is it 22 minutes? Some people do a one to two minute podcast every day. Some people do a two and a half hour podcast or whatever they yeah. feel like. You know, there's no, there's no, no right or wrong. But what do you think is, is the best? the a good length if you want to encourage people to say let's let's check this out let's try it out it's 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 substantive enough that i want to listen and it's not so long that yeah. i got to give my whole day to <laughs> if you're new to
1: podcasting i would say anything 20 minutes or less because people will look at that number and say do how much time do i have commit to, to commit to watch this whole thing now i commit that cardinal sin every single week on home gadget geeks cuz we're 90 minutes at least Uh, I stay between 60 and 90, uh, for sure. However, the audience I've built wants long play. They want more than less. That's what they've told me, and that's who I've attracted. And so that's the audience. But we do, with Frank Newport for, for Polling Matters, the podcast we do at Gallup, no more than 12 minutes. That's all we do. He sketches that out for some, he does some TV work with it as well. And so we have a very concise, and that's what people like from that standpoint. However, We go 45 minutes on, on um, the ones we do. The other two that we do called The Coach and Theme Thursday are 45. Folks love that. The average commute, I think, is 24 minutes. And so if people are listening to it in the car, some derivative of that, right, either 20 or 40 kind of gets them there and back or it gets them there. I don't know how much time you have. Dave Jackson says this and he attributes it to somebody else. There's no such thing as too long, only too boring. Right? And so It's one of those things where you think, Hey, um, you know, who, what are you trying to do? Some folks where it's a hobby podcast, hey, hour, two hours, three hours, people will listen. If they listen to it, it's, it's, it's perfect. Um, Other, like, other people I've seen do podcasts that are very concise and and to the point. And it's like everything, I've done them all. This is like everything you need in two minutes. I've done those. I've done 15, mm-hmm. I've done 45. I've done, there's no right answer. It's like, what do you have to say? And is it interesting? That's the length your podcast should be.
0: What is the point of numbering your episodes? I see a lot of people do that. Um, you see it all over the place. This is episode 30. This is episode 50. Um, do, yeah. do, do you want to put that in the title? Do you not want to put it in the title? Um you know, for these shows I always put the name of the guest right. in the title. That's how I remember the show by the name of the yeah. guest. Let me tell you how
1: I think that started. So I think Leo Laporte started that cuz he came from TV. And in TV they number the episodes. You just never know. Like they're there. That's <laughs> just and we're not used to consuming it's never shown. Like you never see Friends episode 47. You just don't see that. Right? If you go on <laughs> right. IMDb or any of those, they're all the episode numbers are all there. Well, Leo came out of TV. He had done tech TV and some of those. And so I think when he started podcasting, he just naturally added those in, thinking they were behind the scenes. Well, in podcasting, it's in the right. title, right? People put them in the title. We recommend you put them at the end of the title. It looks funny when, if you go to iTunes and you've put your title, your episode up front, it says Episode 47. We only get a certain number of characters before that stuff starts disappearing. And it's really important that you put your guest or you put the topic or some of those things in your title. So do you need to do it? Absolutely not. I just think Leo got it going. A bunch of people copied Leo. We copied a bunch of other people. And it was one of the, there's, you know, an old story about a grandmother or about a mother who was cooking a ham and she cut the end off the ham before she put it in the stove. And the, the, somebody asked her, why do you do that? She's like, I don't know. My mom always did that. So go to mom. Mom (laughs) says, I don't know. Let's ask grandma. Grandma said, well, my pan was only this big. I had to cut the ham off to get it to fit in the, in the pan. So they were only doing it because of the pan size was that big. Well, I think sometimes we all copy each other. And I think um, episode numbers are because of that. The other thing, Ross, I think is because it's a big pride point. Like we're up to 270 episodes on Home Gadget Geeks. Wow. I've never done 270 of anything. You know, it's, it's, I'm pretty proud of that. So, I like to display the, the episode number. The other, the other nice thing it does is I shorten, I use Pretty Links to shorten up each of my podcast episodes, because I get these really long, you know, TheAverageGuy.tv slash the date slash podcast title. In Pretty Link, I can do TheAverageGuy.tv slash HGG for Home Gadget Geeks, and then put the number. And it's an easy way for me to find those again, if I want to go back and find them, or for other people to find them. Um, So putting the episode numbers or tracking the episode numbers is important from a, from a utilitarian standpoint. I don't know if it adds mm-hmm. any value from a titling standpoint.
0: Right, right. So for people who are um, doing video shows, doing shows like this one on, on Fire Talk, they're doing Blabs, they're doing um, Facebook Live shows where um, they're not just holding a a camera phone but they're they may be interviewing somebody coming in on through an encoder or something like that what are the advantages that they'll find if they decide to go ahead and and make a podcast out of their broadcast and go through the process that you talked about in terms of distributing it and promoting it and, and, and all that? What, what, what will they see as a, as a bonus for doing yeah. that? What, what's the Great question. I think the benefit is to create community. Podcasts are great to create community
1: around. You have this consistent topic of, of conversation, ideas, interviews, whatever, where you can kind of string them all together, all in one. in a podcast, you know, binge listening, that idea of binge listening came from podcasting, you know, Um, And so it's it's one of those kinds of things. Uh, By the way, I mean, Netflix and Amazon, they've all caught on to this, this binge listening or binge watching concept and started to provide television shows that way. You can watch just one after the other. And so the advantage is you can collect this all in a single channel and deliver it to someone and say, Mm -hmm. all these things will be available in this channel. And it just makes it a ton easier to find. If someone said to me, go to theaverageguy.tv slash blah, blah, blah to watch this one, I'll never remember it by the time I get there. But if I say, you know, if you just search for Home Gadget Geeks, chances are they'll find the channel, they can subscribe to it, they can get it on their phone, right? They can get a list. So getting all that, getting all that content in one place and available for somebody to either listen to it one time or binge listen to all of them is a huge benefit.
0: And you're going to get much bigger numbers on a podcast because people will subscribe, they'll keep getting the downloads, and eventually, I mean, you hope, I mean, we all know that we've subscribed to podcasts and never listened to some of the ones that we subscribe to, and then we only remember that we subscribe when, you know. Our, our, our iPod or our iPhone or whatever is is filled up. And then we go, which one are we going to delete? Well, I've been subscribed to this one for a year and a half and never listened to one. I guess that's the one that's going yeah. go, And right? that's,
1: that's utility in itself, right? If I listen to podcasts all the time and I'm like, you know, I go through seasons of what I want to listen to. And I'm like, man, I've been listening right. to this for a couple of years. They're saying the same things over and over again. I want to try somebody else's podcast. And so I'll actually flush some of the ones that I'm most current with Because I've just, Mm -hmm. ah, there's not much, what more can be said about fill in the blank, (laughs) you know, and I might decide to listen to something new. I've been, you know, recently I was uh, listening to a lot of um, kind of variety or comedy podcasts and I quit listening to kind of the podcast about podcasting because I had listened to everybody. We all say the same things after a while. Well, I went for a year through that and now I'm kind of, there's some new podcasters out there and I'm listening about podcasting and I'm kind of listening to some of the new ones, so it just depends what I feel like.
0: What are some podcasts that you like? what do, What do you enjoy like listening around to podcasting when you're not or just in general? Just yeah. in general, like what podcasts do you go, okay, that's a really good podcast. That's one that I'm I'm not going to so, miss.
1: So um, the Potter and Family Network has had some really good ones lately, and they're a little outside of what I was normally listening to. So Classy Little Podcast is the one that they they have a cheers for something uh, kind of theme. So cheers for tech we did one time. Cheers for paper they, they've done cheers for, you know. And so um, uh, it's a great, it's kind of comedy and information. And I know the guests, we had them on our show. And, uh, and so I really, I, for me, I can just kind of un, unlock and not have to worry about the content or memorizing or thinking about it or whatever. It's kind of pure entertainment uh, for me. So those, that one in particular, I'm a big Radiolab fan. And uh, recently, they've come up with a new one called uh, Near Perfect, and it's about the Supreme Court. And that has been very, very interesting to me. And so, talks about the history of the Supreme Court and some of the cases that they've done. It's a brand new podcast that's kind of broken off of Radio Lab. So I like that. Radio Lab is still one that uh, shows up in my podcast player. So those are a couple just kind of examples of non-podcast-related, you know, podcast about podcasting. I still listen to, I'm a big tech fan, and I'm a Windows MVP. So I listen to Windows Weekly with Leo Laporte. That's something I, that's kind of, I kind of need to listen to, although I found a new one called Observe Tech. That's part of the Geeks Network, the network I'm on. And he mm-hmm. takes a two-hour show and kind of same information he does in about 30 minutes. And at 1.3 speed, I can do it in about 23 minutes. So it's a, it's a good way of, <laughs> um, you know, it's a good way of getting through that information. I found someone who can do it more efficiently. Um, and in this case, efficient is better right. than entertainment. And so I listened to this Observe Tech podcast. Rich, hey, Rich was just on my show last week talking about Windows 10. And so... It's great. So is that to give you some idea of kind of I'm all over the, all over the place with it.
0: How much editing do you do after, say, an interview show? I mean, do you take out every, every blip and whatever, or do you just take out if there's some point where there's got to be huge? Otherwise, like something like this, are you just taking one it and basically yep. putting your intro yeah, in? I, and literally, the conversation
1: tonight, goes. one take wonder. If I had a guest, sometimes I've had some guests that talk pretty slow, and they put a lot of space in between their words. I've used some tricks, you know, some concatenation on the sound to eliminate that, that empty space and speed it up. I've done that, but typically... Nope. It's just a one-take wonder. We don't, you know, I don't do any editing. And yet I'm a, I'm an editor for another show that I do separately, a consultant for it. They want perfection. And so I take out the ums and the ahs. Those are 20-minute podcasts that take me two hours to edit it. And I take out ums and ahs, and I remove things that don't make sense, mm-hmm. and I mess around with a <laughs> WAV file to make it sound smooth. Uh, but that's a customer. That's a paying customer, and that's what they want. So I do
0: that right. for them. But something like this, you would yeah. just take it and yeah, up it it's goes, right? Disposable, right? Ross, and you it's add disposable data, right? You add theme music, you add yeah. some things like that, but that's all. Like the the actual substance of yeah, it. Stays I don't think it's worth it the is. time
1: uh, for what I'm doing to edit. It's you never get that time back, and I don't think listeners care for the most part, right?
0: No, and in fact, if it's if it's I don't know that they can necessarily tell if it's edited, but if it's if it's so pristine, then it, you wonder if it's really a right. real conversation yeah. or
1: not. Yeah. Right? It needs some of those. I think it, <laughs> and it's the expectation of the audience, right? It's it's what are they expecting from the guest and what kind of quality needs to be there? And you know how much did Mark Maron re- edit the president? I bet not very much when I was there. I bet that was pretty close right. to to being what he actually said. So now I'm a kind of a big believer in 90% of the time, it's, it's a, you know, live to the hard drive and a one take wonder.
0: Wow. (laughs) So how about um, for people who want to add a, like an opening theme music or, you know, have an intro, How, what do you recommend that, like, keep it short, you know, have, have somebody else record the intro, just have music, a, a music bed, what do you yeah. think makes, makes the best for, for, for those? This those is a intros? great question.
1: I think it's one of the hardest parts of podcasting, by the way, you can't use other music. You can't use licensed music, right? Um, there right. are some, there are some great music sites that you can go to and they're, they're escaping me now, but maybe I'll remember them as we talk, where you can get royalty-free music. In other words, you can pay a little bit for it. And then they give you the rights to that music, you know, to use in your podcast. Uh, You have to set some agreements and do some other things. That's a way of doing it. I've also found some free sites where you can contact, and actually, this is what SoundCloud is good for, too. Go out to SoundCloud and go through some genres and find some, find some musicians who've already done this stuff. There's a lot of great uh, non, you know, where there's no vocals in it. It's just mixes. And man, there's some dynamite stuff out there. Contact them and say, Hey, I'll give you credit on my, on my site if you just let me use this clip. Almost 100% of the time, they'll say, Yes, I've got some great music from SoundCloud to do it that way. Or, I've done this too. I've had friends that were musicians. And I said, You want to record some music for me? And they said, Yes, that's great. Because you just get, you get oh, yeah. really good personal music that, you know, make sure they're not signed anywhere, they don't have an agent or any of that kind of stuff. But um, the trick to that, right. by the way, is played on YouTube, load, just upload the music to YouTube and turn monetization on. YouTube will tell you if it's been played somewhere uh, before. Um, it's just, oh, yeah. a, it's a great way of, of knowing. Um, it's kind of a great way of knowing it's, if it's been used or not. So those are some of the those are some of the ways that I found to uh, to to pick my music. Just do not use recorded. Is it RMA? I think that's the the thing of it. If it's um if it's been used before and it's you just don't want to do it, they'll come after you at some point.
0: And what do you you know? People's attention spans are are very short, and if they have to wait. <laughs> Any period of time, they might just go oh, do something else. Or yeah. Go, maybe, yeah,
1: maybe maybe a so, couple seconds, right? I mean, you th- I wouldn't go crazy yeah. and play a three-minute song. Very yeah.
0: short. I, right? I like about 15 I, seconds. That's kind of what I like, yeah. Now, now, there's some people who will come on actually before the song plays and say, on today's podcast, we're or, you know, today we're talking with Jim Collison o- about podcasting, or today we're talking whatever, or, you know, they do some sort of teaser, you know, Yeah. and then they start the music. Do you think that's the best way to do it? It's the best way, Ross. It's your way.
1: It's the way you want to do it. I do that. That's my, I, you know, I say, uh, this is the average guy network and you found home gadget geek show number, whatever for this date recorded on this date. And then I start the music, by the way, I add that all in post production in the live show. I just go right into my intro, right? That's what I've, that's how I've chosen, (laughs) um, to do it. And that's what my audio audience expects. I studied old time radio years ago to see what would work when I first started podcasting. What works in radio? And what works in radio, and I think works in podcasting, too, is repetition. Your listeners like to hear you doing similar stuff, especially in the intro. There's this something that comes over you when you hear, especially when you like it, that when you hear it again, and it's consistent, and it's correct, and it's right. People love that. And it kind of sets right. them up like, Oh, I'm listening to Home Gadget Geeks to, you know, they kind of get in the right frame of mind, whatever that frame of mind is, whether it's comedy or learning or tech or whatever. So I like the consistent, I like it. This is me personally, this this idea of consistency in the opening to set your customer or set your listener into the state. Like it's a little Pavlovian, you know, where the dog, you know, you ring the bell, you right, start right. the show, you do something similar, you put them in the right frame of mind, and then you can go off and do your stuff. again. My preference. I have some friends that do uh, a podcast called uh, Agnostic Tech. They just talk about whatever they want. They literally start by just talking. There's no intro. There's no. Right. They're kind of irreverent to podcasting, so that you know they're trying this style. And then about ten minutes in, they go, "Oh, by the way, this is the Agnostic, you know, Agnostic Tech podcast. We're part of the Geeks Network." Blah blah blah. Um, and actually, I think they use now that I'm I'm thinking about, it, I think they use the Skype. You know, the do 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 a skype you know that i think that's their opening music and that's what they like right right? i mean so why not why not
0: (laughs) (laughs) so the last question i'll I'll ask you um because we have some people um who are already into podcasting and further along um at what point either in your downloads and your community building whatever can you start to think about hmm maybe i could get a sponsor for this maybe i could make a couple dollars or at least help the phrase of costs of thing and having a website and you know all the things yeah. that go into it right yeah. it depends on how good of
1: a salesperson you are so like <laughs> you know we always say there's a 10,000 download like for most companies they they always say 10,000 listen very few people have ten thousand downloads, right? It's just is not—it's not a reality. A good chunk of us sit in the one to two thousand category. I think if we were honest with ourselves, we're we're in that one to two thousand. There's another group that are in that five hundred to a thousand. Great, you know what? That's actually a really good audience mm. if you got that. Um, I Home Gadget Geeks has a thousand. I'll just be very, very transparent. We're a right. thousand to fifteen hundred, depending if how you count the numbers and all, all those kinds of things. And I was able to get a sponsorship from LastPass because they fit our audience, and I did something that made sense. I made them, I had them sponsor an app. So our Home Gadget Geeks app, if you go to homegadgetgeeks.com, you'll see a site I set up just for mobile. And go in and it's got subscribe on Android and subscribe on iTunes. And all I really want them to do with people with big fat fingers is be able to push those buttons (laughs) and subscribe, right? That's what I want them to be able to do. Um, LastPass sponsored that. And they, so they went in and so it made sense. And I, it's a sponsorship that um, they helped me pay for the app as well as some advertising uh, uh, on the app itself. And it was a great, um, it was a great sponsorship. I've had uh, Talk.to has been a, uh, has been a sponsor of the program. They sent a whole bunch of t-shirts. We gave them away at a meetup and they, and they paid for some travel for me so I could do some things for them. Well, that's a sponsorship, right? And so, uh, Ross I don't have 10,000 and yet I'm able to I'm able to do sponsorships. So, if you can find an advertiser that has your listeners as their customers and it makes financial mm-hmm. sense for them to un uh, you know lose money f- from their account and you gain money in your account, that's an awesome <laughs> relationship, right? That works. So, it's not so much about numbers or or the amount of downloads or whatever. It's how well can you sell yourself to that sponsor? And how engaged is your audience in what you're doing? If you say something and they do it, man, everybody loves that. And so it just depends. I I, I These people who say it's got to be 10,000 or whatever, I kind of go, Well, and then sometimes you could have 10,000 and you can't sell crap. And so, you know, it even that number doesn't matter uh, for sponsorship. Right. And if you're going to go after sponsors yourself, you got to be able to sell. you got to be confident in what you're doing and be able to sell it. Mm -hmm. And so can you do that? Can you show value and be willing to set up a price list that you hold to? And then can you sell it? If you can't do it, it doesn't matter how many you have.
0: Yeah. This has been great, Jim. This hour flew by. Thank you so much. Uh, Too fast. I I know. I I, always enjoy... I always enjoy listening to your shows, and um, you can see, you can catch him on the Average Guy TV. Uh, is the website where uh, all his shows are? Um, also, ask the Podcast Coach. At least for now, ten thirty a.m. Eastern on Blab, but you might be checking out Fire Talk and some other maybe, options, maybe. <laughs> And what else, anything else coming up? Well, Uh, I would say for the Gallup
1: stuff, if you're interested in what we do Mm -hmm. from an enterprise perspective, in other words, taking podcasting to work, head over to coaching.gallup.com. You don't have to be a coach over there, but coaching.gallup.com is where we post. And you can see we do it all wrong. It's on a blogger site. We use YouTube. (laughs) I use Spreaker for my audio. According to, you know, the gurus, we're not doing it right, but it works. And, and, um, you know i mentioned the numbers earlier in the show so if you want to see how we do it from an enterprise perspective if you have any questions or you want to track me down i'm always open to email jim at theaverageguy.tv love to answer your questions dave and i do free podcast consulting at Saturday on saturday mornings at ask the podcast coach so if you want to jump in and join us love to have you
0: jim Collison from theaverageguy.tv we'll be back thursday night 7 p.m. eastern right here it's live stream news, and we have Moni Kaufman, host of Q The News. Uh, there's a few things going on, a couple of uh, political conventions the last couple of weeks. Uh, should find plenty to talk about. So please do join us Thursday night and uh, have a great evening, everybody.